On Sunday mornings, we are in a series called Overflow. We've been looking at Peter's list of the qualities important for a Christian who is growing and maturing and overflowing with the love of Christ, with the grace of Jesus. As we do that, uh, I will hope you'll turn to 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. Peter here writes this, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, to goodness knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. Or if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive of your knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So far, we've learned that when we're growing in Christ, there's a lot of parts of that. There's a, parts, a lot of parts of that journey. The foundation, of course, is faith, trusting in God above yourself. Once we have that establishment of faith, uh, we then build on that with goodness. The goodness of God, which is evident in so many things, causes us to reflect and let, allow that goodness to overflow out of our own lives then we seek God's wisdom, God's knowledge, and the knowledge of God through his word and through the teaching of it. And then we put ourself, which is so hard to control, under control, fully and completely under the spirit. And as we put ourselves under control, then we do what's right and we do not give up. We persevere, we press on, we keep going. Today's quality, uh, as, as we talk about Peter's list is this this quality of what one translation calls mutual affection. The one I read calls it brotherly kindness. And and you would think that that's a, a pretty easy thing to do, but not always. I remember back in my youth ministry days, uh, one particularly hard season, I was dealing with, I, I know not a group like this, but a few difficult teenagers and I know that would never happen today, of course. Um, and I also had a few difficult parents. And I was really struggling with that. And what the right thing to do was. And I was seeking the wisdom of Steve, and he just sat back in his chair, and he smiled, kind of smirked a little bit, and he said, You know, church would be real easy if it wasn't for people. That's true. Mutual kindness, or mutual affection and brotherly kindness is one of those things that sounds good and, and we all mentally, intellectually acknowledge that we need to have affection and kindness toward one another. We ought to get along. We ought to like being together. But, you know, some, sometimes in church, that's easier said than done. I think it's always been that way. I mean, back even before church began, when Jesus called the apostles, he called two very different men. He called a tax collector by the name of Matthew, and he called another man named Simon, who was a zealot. Now, if you don't know anything about the, the culture, uh, zealots were vehemently opposed to tax collectors. In fact, some of them would say it was, it was God's will to, to kill them because they were serving Rome instead of serving God and serving God's people. They were, you know, you talk about the Facebook, the Twitter feed of, of the first century, they would have been at each other. And yet Jesus called these two men from very different spectrums and brought them into his inner circle. Isn't that interesting? I think it shows the power of Christ and that the mission that he was on is bigger 
than any of the mission that they were on. We have to have that same understanding, that the mission of the church and the kingdom is bigger than us. It's bigger than your identity. It's bigger than your politics. It's bigger than your personal preferences. The kingdom of God is about being on mission. And to do that, we have to work together as one body. That's important to do. At some point, every church has had to deal with it. Uh, Turn back with me about 2,000 years to the book of Acts. The church there, uh, in Acts chapter 2, the church had a problem. Now, I'll start by saying this. This was not a a church that was dysfunctional. This was a healthy church. This was a a new church. It was a growing church. Uh, They had lots of potential. Everybody in town was talking about this new group, and yet they still... Had a problem. Let's read how the scriptures describe this group and starting in Acts chapter 2. We're going to be about verse 44 and read through verse 47. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods. They gave to anyone as they had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That sounds like a pretty good church. Sounds like they were getting along. They were working together. Certainly they were growing. They wanted to be together. They didn't just meet once a week. They met every day in the temple courts. Uh, they were sharing together. They were, they were part of one another's lives. That's a good church. You say, is that kind of church possible today? I think it is. But, but, but lest we become too Pollyannish about the Acts chapter 2 church, we need to turn ahead just about four chapters to Acts chapter 6 to realize the problem that they had. Acts chapter 6 is going to be on your screen, and uh, if you wouldn't mind, I would like you to read the words in yellow, and I'll read the words in white. In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained because the Hebraic Jews... Because in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said. Continuing on, uh, we understand brothers and sisters. And we will give our attention to prayer and to the ministry of the word. The proposal pleased the whole group, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and of the Holy Spirit, also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. Continue going there. Keep going. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. Okay, so what we see here is the church had a problem, and the problem was this. They had a mixing of the groups. They had the Hebraic Jews. They had the uh, Jews that were not uh, there in Palestine. They had uh, had a, a, a strong, heavy 
Greek influence. And so this group of Jews really kind of looked down upon that group of Jews. And somehow in the church politics of the day, they decided to kind of overlook these widows who had a need, who needed to be fed, who were hungry. And that made those Jewish widows angry, those Hellenistic Jews angry. Now, this is, in my opinion, where the first time where we see Satan begin to try to work within the church, not from outside forces trying to persecute it, not not outside, not from the forces of Rome, not from the Sanhedrin, not from anything like that, but from within. I don't know if you've ever been a church that has struggled and has had divisiveness start from within, but oftentimes that's where Satan works. He'll pit this group against that group. And the the shepherds, the elders, have to work diligently to keep that group together. Now, now, they could have said, well, you know, we need to have the apostles handle this. They're in charge. They've been appointed by Jesus. They need to figure this out. The apostles said, wait a second, that's going to create a problem. Because if we do that which we can do, then we will also neglect the mission that God has put us on. So what do we do? We select these men who are talented and trusted to take care of the problem. And if they will take care of this problem, then we can focus our attention on the mission of God and on the mission of the church. And the result of it was this. I want you to just look at verse 7 again, the verse that you just read. What happened with this potentially divisive issue? Something that could have split the early church straight on because the apostles handled it in the right way. The word of God spread. The number of the disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. That the word of God spread, the number of disciples grew and many obeyed Jesus because the apostles stayed on mission. There's a reason this is in there for us. There's a reason we need to understand, because as far as I can tell, we still are a church of people. And we're a good church, but I know anytime you've got a church of people, you potentially have problems. And there's healthy ways, scriptural ways, biblical ways to work through those problems. There's unhealthy, dysfunctional, ungodly, man-centered solutions which only cause more dysfunction and division. So what we talk about this morning is not just some sort of ritual. Yeah, every two years, bring in the deacons, bless them, do the thing. This is important to the health and to the life of the body of the church. There's a reason God has us doing this. Well, let me illustrate by telling you an example of a story of another church from present day. There was a a good church it was growing, had lots of people. The people enjoyed the fellowship. Oftentimes after church, there'd be people here for an hour or two, just sitting out in the foyer and visiting and just enjoying fellowship with one another. But the church had a problem. The problem was, I think this is a close-up of our teen section. The problem was that the, the kids of that congregation didn't have a place to run and play. 
And so they did all of their running and playing in the foyer, and they endangered people. Older people are in danger of falling and just, just weaving through people, and they thought, this is a problem. This is, could become a, a big deal. Now, the preacher and the elders could have come up with a solution to figure out where the kids should play. They could have figured out something, but it had been years since any of them had been on a good playground And it probably would have been a terrible playground. And besides that, even worse than that, is the fact that the elders and the leadership would have had to take their eye off the ball of the vision and the mission and the purpose of the Northside Church of Christ to figure out what to do with all these kids who love to run and play and these kids which we love to have. And so they entrusted a man to come up with a plan And Bob Arrow formed a team of young parents, and they worked together, and they worked through the problem, and they figured out, they figured out a plan, they figured out a budget, they figured out contractors, they they made it all happen, and the result of that is happy kids, and happy parents, and happy elders, and joyful kids, and by the way, while this church continued to grow and bring in young families, and now kids had a place to run and play and enjoy being in the presence and at church while their parents were sitting and visiting, while they were doing that, the leaders were focused on a bigger vision for how we help and minister to and serve families So that they can lead their children to being faithful disciples of Jesus Christ. Do you understand why it's important now that we have good men who have trustworthy wives? Who do things that the elders and the leadership could do? But to do that, they'd have to take their focus off of what they're supposed to be doing. So this is why we do that. There are hundreds of more stories like that. But they all remind us that God's ways work. That when it comes right down to it, there's a reason that the, that, that the Spirit inspired words to tell us how to organize a church, how to handle the big issues and the small issues that people, imperfect as they are, will have when they're a part of a church body. God's ways work. All churches have problems. Some churches rely on human wisdom to correct those problems. Business solutions and practices to solve spiritual problems. But God's people rely on God's wisdom. And we we trust in God's word to lead us there. A healthy Acts chapter 6 looks a certain sort of way. The elders are not involved in every single decision. For for leaders, ministry leaders and deacons and, and for people who are running things, if you find yourself going, well, we ought to ask the elders, you're probably doing your ministry wrong. Now, there are some things the elders need to be included on, but they have entrusted you to do the work well so that they can focus on what God put them there to focus on. The more we micromanage, the less we act like church. 
God did not intend it to be a micromanaged body. God intended it to be a spirit-led body. So we choose talented and trusted and servant-hearted leaders, and we entrust them with the ministry. The world seeks leaders. The world seeks CEOs. The world seeks the, 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 the type A, uh, the, 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 the leader, the charge. But, but in God's kingdom, something is different. God seeks the servant-hearted leader. And there is a difference between the, the leader who just is all about himself and the servant-hearted leader who understands that he may be a leader, but he is there to serve. God's word has a word for leaders who serve, and that word is this, deacons. Diakonos is the Greek word. Uh, deacons are servants. They are leaders who serve, and they do a lot of things. Now, the word deacon is kind of a loaded word. In the religious world, it can mean a lot of things. Sometimes, For some people, ah, oh, deacon, deacon Smith, ah, well, this is to meet you. I mean, it's a very prestigious title. Uh, it, it sort of means you're just, just a grade above everybody else. Some people, it's a title given to almost anyone. They use deacon for just about anybody who will do anything. The scripture does not apply that word in that way. God's word is simpler. Diakonos means servants. They are those who lead in a servant-hearted way. They are servants who lead. It's important. You say, well, they're just servants. What does it matter? It's important because these men and their wives deal with spiritual matters. And so they have to be a certain quality of people. They have to be trustworthy people because they're handling sensitive issues and, and matters that could split a congregation if not handled properly. So we want to take care in the type of men that we select and the quality of their wives. It must be of certain quality of character. And fortunately, God's word gives us all of those qualities to look for. You're saying, where would it be? I say, I'm glad you asked. Turn to First Timothy chapter 3. First Timothy chapter, chapter 3. And the, the uh, scriptures there for you on the screen, if you're not turning there. A deacons, likewise, must be dignified. Not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy or for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience and let them also be tested first. Let them serve as deacons, and if they prove themselves, then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives, likewise, must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things, let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their households well. For those who serve as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and a great confidence in the faith that is in Jesus Christ. When you put together Acts chapter 6, which some would say the first deacons, I'm not sure if it's exactly, but it surely gives us an example. You put together Acts chapter 6 and 1 Timothy chapter 3, you get some qualities that begin to bubble up. The, the type of men... That you're looking for and the quality of their wives that you're looking as they serve first is dignified and sober minded. That doesn't mean that they always have to go around with a frown on their face. That doesn't mean they can't enjoy life and have a good time. It means that they take their work seriously. If you're a deacon or a ministry leader, I ask you, do you take your work seriously or is it just something you sort of do so you can have the prestige of having the title? You're doing it from the wrong heart. 
especially deacons, if you lead for two years, looking back over the last two years, is the area where you're leading better than it was two years ago. It will be if you're serious and dignified and sober-minded about it, because you want it to be, because you want God's kingdom to be such a place. They need to be tested and blameless. We need to look at these men and the fruit of their lives. That's why a couple of weeks ago they announced those who were being considered to be appointed and blessed as new deacons because they wanted you to have the opportunity to say, ah, wait a second, I know that guy. I know that guy outside of here, and he's not the man he claims to be inside of here. That's why the they need to be tested. Now, blameless does not mean perfect. It means a man who's sincerely seeking the Lord and doing his very best. If he had to be perfect, I don't think anybody would qualify. The third thing is they need to have good wives. As I said, deacons and ministry leaders, they are dealing with sensitive stuff, difficult things. And there are some wives who make it their goal to live out that old hymn, I love to tell the story. You can't be that kind of wife if you're the wife of a deacon. You need to be trustworthy. Sometimes you just need to keep your mouth shut. There are times when I will not tell my wife things because I don't want any pressure on her. Because you believe it or not, there are some women who will press women for other information. Listen, at Northside, we take this very seriously. We want to keep gossip to a minimum. Uh, and here's one way we do that. Would you please raise your hand if you are related either directly or by marriage to any other person in this congregation? Please raise your hand. Okay, so we keep gossip to a minimum because you don't know who you're talking to. But we seriously do need men and women who are trustworthy with sensitive information. They need to be a leader, leading their family, not just being sort of haphazard about it. They need to be responsible. We don't want to have to micromanage them. We don't want to have to go in and say, well, what about this? What about this? What about this? We don't want a person who comes to the elders every week. Well, this is the problem. This is the problem. I can't get this done. They need to be a leader. They need to get stuff done. You need to be able to put it in their hands and trust that it's done. Uh, This past week, uh, Sarah Holt does a lot of my design graphics for my sermons because I am no good at that. And every so often I'll send her an email and I'll say, I I have this series in mind and this visual and here's a couple images I like. Can you work up some some images for that series? And I, I never give a single thought to it. I've sent her the theme for next year. She's working on it already. She said, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. I haven't, it's been, been a busy time. I said, Sarah, don't worry at all about it. When it's in your hands, I know it's going to get done. We need those kind of people who are in charge of ministries, not people we have to babysit and micromanage. We need people who are wise, discerning. They can handle people carefully. And we need people who are spirit-led, led by the spirit, not led by themselves. Why all the fuss over a servant? Again, because if if you put the wrong person in a position of authority, You can tear a church in two, or three, or five, or ten. It's important. We take it seriously at Northside. We believe in unity. We practice unity. And the way we do that is by putting the right people in positions of leadership. Deacons are then simply servants who lead. Today we're involved in installing 
new deacons at Northside. Now, the Bible tells us a lot about what type of man to seek, but the Bible gives us no direction of how to select and appoint and bless and, and how long they should serve or any of that. At some churches, being a deacon is a lifetime Supreme Court appointment. I mean, once they're in, they're in unless they have a moral failure. And so a guy is stuck. He can't get out unless, you know, something terrible happens. And when a deacon steps down, everybody's like, oh, what happened? What happened? At Northside, we're not that way. We run in two-year cycles for the purpose of making sure that we're getting done what we need to get done, that the people we're having do what we need done are getting it done effectively, and so a man can reevaluate his station in life and make sure he's still the right man for the job in the right stage of life. So at Northside, how it works for us is we select men every two years. If they agree to serve, then they serve out those full two years, and we give them specific job descriptions of what we want done. At the end of that two years, both of us, the church and the deacons, come together and say, evaluate if they want to continue for another two years. Um, it's a great system. It recognizes the realities of life and the realities of the situation of, of a man and his wife and how their life might change. This year, uh, due to a lot of changes in their own life situation, uh, Justin and Don Harold will not be continuing as deacon over small groups. Justin has had a lot of new commitments, and he just felt that he could not continue as a small group's deacon at this time. So, Justin, we very much appreciate your two years of service and getting small groups off the ground. Uh, that's a big project, and you've done it faithfully, and we commend you uh, and the work that you've done. If you're part of a small group that's active and healthy, you should tell Justin thank you for his good work. Here are the current deacons at Northside that we have. And, men, as, you, as I announce your name, I'm going to ask you to Please uh, come and be seated down here on the front row, starting from, uh, well, my, my right, your left, and uh, sit next to each other. First of all, the deacon over class leader coordination is Jim Andrews. Jim Andrews handles all of the issues with class leaders and making sure that everything's done in a, a right way, and we have a lot of good classes that are growing. Uh, next up is our library ministry, Jerry Clothier. Uh, leads that up. He and his wife, Hazel, uh, make sure that we have lots of good resources for you to check out for classes, for small groups, uh, stuff for the kids to read. And, uh, Jerry, we appreciate what you do. Uh, then, as has already been mentioned, Bob Arrow. Bob handles facility management here at Northside, all things pertaining to the building and uh, working with contractors and making sure everything's as it needs to be. And for people who need things moved or uh, things that need to be repaired, Bob is the man. Worship ministry is headed up by Charles Gardner, and Charles is leading worship this morning. He not only leads worship, but he coordinates those who lead when he's not leading, and he makes sure that we are intentional about our worship time, and that it's organized and orderly and passionate and sincere and scriptural. Uh, next up, leading family camp is Craig Greenwood. Uh, Craig and his wife Becky have been organizing family camp. It was this huge undertaking. Several hundred Northsiders go out to Rock Springs Ranch every year, and uh, they do a good job, and it's a, a big part of Northside's traditions and who we are. Joe Holmes, who is not here uh, 
this morning, but you will have so you can look up there on the screen, see who Joe is. But Joe handles all of the what we call small accounts payable. Uh, basically, means he writes uh, the checks when you need reimbursed for things, good works that you do, and we appreciate the good work that Joe does. Next up is Tim Cachero, who I have no doubt has already been. Busy this morning, as he is most Sunday mornings, he and his team of ushers making sure everybody has a place to sit. And uh, you may think that sounds like an easy job. It is not, I can assure you. Uh, Drew Lowry uh, handles Wichita Work Camp and took that over from uh, Mike. And he uh, has been doing a great job making sure that the, not just the hundreds of teenagers who attend, but the... Uh, Hundreds and hundreds of Northsiders who serve in various ways are all coordinated and working well. And we appreciate the work that he and Ruth do on that. Uh, Sean Litton handles Know Your Bible Financials. Uh, he handles all the books for uh, the ministry that we're going to talk about next week. Uh, he makes sure that is all accounted for, that the money's uh, stewarded well. And uh, appreciate the work that you do, Sean. Uh, for the Northside Watchers, uh, James Pierman's handles... Uh, uh, oh, he's not here today, and he, but he handles uh, safety. And in a, the age that we live in, we appreciate very much the work that James does, making sure we are all safe and secure. Greg Sandlin uh, handles all of the things concerning uh, finance. Uh, he has a team of people that help him, and they do a great job in making sure that we are good stewards of of the money that you all donate, and that it's put in the right buckets and getting got to the right people and that people are paid on time and the contractors and everybody that we work with uh, leaves with a good reputation for Northside. Uh, Mike Yeoman handles the benevolence ministry. Uh, uh, Mike's, Mike and his wife Stacy handle a lot of uh, challenging works and uh, they also have Randy and Kenita Short that help them both a great deal uh, with all of the benevolent work there is to do at Northside uh, for Northsiders, for people in the community and many more. So we appreciate all the work uh, that is done in the benevolence ministry. And not here today, but uh, our deacon of our greeter ministry is Tony Weber. He handles assigning greeters and making sure that they're doing the best job, not only meeting you folks, but helping newcomers who may come to Northside uh, feel welcome uh, and, uh, and want to return. Then today we are adding an additional three new deacons. In addition to the 13 men who have agreed to serve for two more years, we have three more men who have agreed to serve and will begin their service as deacon officially today. As I call your name, I will ask these three men and their wives to stand right here on center stage on the second step uh, as your picture appears. First up is Jeff Martin and his wife, Jenny. Uh, Jeff grew up at Northside. Uh, he and his wife, Jenny, have two boys, Ellis and Wyatt, as deacon over small groups. Uh, Jeff will continue to serve as a resource for group leaders so they can make their groups welcoming and healthy and make and make them a place where Northsiders want to connect, study, and serve. Uh, Dennis Crisco is not here this morning, but uh, he will be our new deacon over senior member support. Dennis and Terry are longtime Northside members. Dennis recently retired and is anxious to find ways to use his extra time. Productively, and the elders asked him to lead this ministry. He jumped at the opportunity. Uh, they had to be away due to some, due to some pre-made travel plans. We look forward to the work that he and Terry will do. The senior member ministry 
senior support member. Oh, my goodness. The senior member support ministry looks for ways to serve our older members. And if you know of anyone in need of service, you'll need to contact Dennis. And finally, uh, Jesse Neisler uh, will be the deacon over landscaping and grounds. And he and his wife, Stephanie, uh, will be serving in that capacity. I really feel like we didn't do a good service here in, in giving you a title because there's a huge missed opportunity here. Uh, I would have gone with Deacon of Holy Grounds, but, you know, that's my, not my call. Stephanie grew up here at Northside, and Jesse met her here. They have three children, Kellen, Sky, and Case. Uh, Jesse is a master gardener. And many of you know that, very talented at that, and the elders have asked him to be in charge of making the outside of a facility uh, look good and first class, and we agree for their, uh, we, we are thankful for their willingness to serve. Uh, at this time, I'd like our, to ask all of our shepherds to please come and stand behind our new deacons um, on the, the top stair here in front. Deacons, uh, this family believes you to be men who are worthy of respect, sincere, honest, and trustworthy. Wives, we likewise believe you are worthy of respect, not malicious talkers or gossipers, but self-controlled and trustworthy. Together, as couples, we believe you have managed your household well and believe you have the qualities we are looking for in servants who lead. As such, we entrust you to serve this family as deacons at Northside. We charge you to live out the qualities described in the scriptures. We pray that you will be good stewards of the ministries that you oversee and that two years from now, these areas you lead will be better than they are today. And we thank you for being willing to serve, helping our shepherds to bear their burden and to make our work as a family better. And now one of our elders, Brian Middleton, will pray over you. Would you pray along with me, please? Almighty God, all-wise, all-powerful God, you are our heavenly Father in the most superlative way. You are the creator of the universe, the author of life itself. We obey you as your servants, even as your slaves. Baptism is our seal of commitment to doing what you want over what we want. And all of Christianity is of service to you. Everyone in the church serves. Deacons serve. Elders serve. Ministry leaders serve. The congregations serve. We serve each other and we serve you. We committed to die to ourselves and live for you. And our citizenship is in heaven, not on this earth. Anything less than that is missing the mark. It is sin, and we ask for your forgiveness when that happens. God, there are deacons that serve this congregation in many specific, special ways. Specific jobs needing specific skills, a specific focus and specific effort, duties that deal with responsibilities of the church. These men Both the current deacons and the new ones have been selected because of their abilities, their desires, and their qualifications. They are wise. They are full of the Spirit. They have good reputations. The pastoral epistles, as we've seen, have listed the qualifications 
of these men and their wives, and we fully believe that these men and their wives meet those qualifications. They will deal with sensitive, personal, confidential issues, and they will do it well. We pray for these men, God. We pray for their steadfastness. We pray for their courage. We pray for their stamina. We pray for their wisdom. We pray for their leadership, and we pray for their example for them and their families as they organize, coordinate, and direct their work. Almighty God, we pray for this congregation of your church. For what they do is not their work alone. They will guide the work. They will lead the work. And one of the things they will do in their service is to guide and help us to know what needs to be done. Help us always to share their work with them to lighten their load. God, when they ask us to help, we pray that we are willing and obedient to the very best of our abilities. And we pray for all these things as we all work to serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, men. You may all be seated. Elders and deacons may be seated and rejoin your families at this time. Uh, Mark did want me to remind you that uh, be sure to not leave uh, right after the final amen. He'd like to get a a picture uh, for the archives of all of our current and new deacons. So deacons and wives, please stay after the services so Mark can get that picture. Thank you to all of you who serve. It is not an easy job, but is a reminder of who we serve and why you serve. Jesus said, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to be a servant. He gave that example by taking a knee and a towel and washing his disciples' feet, leaving them an example that we might do the same. Of course, the greatest way he served is by then, days later, laying down his life, putting, allowing himself to be crucified on a cruel cross uh, so that we might know eternity with God. And we would be remiss if we did not extend to you the invitation that Jesus extended to all. That for all who would believe and be baptized, you may too also find salvation through Christ. If you do not know that salvation, we would be happy to help you to know it and to know him. If you have a need or any other need, please meet our shepherds down front as together we stand and sing.